0: You're now listening to the Fantasy Filler Podcast, where we put you in the driver's seat every week, all year long. In the NASCAR racing world, from top news stories, latest results, and best fantasy lineups, we'll have you up to speed and out in front before the drop of the green flag. So let's dive in with our host vanilla wafers Wafers. Race number three is now in the books for the NASCAR Cup Series season of 2023 as we just got done with Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We are now on the downhill slope of the West Coast Swing as we will end on Phoenix next week. We got the Truck Series race, the Xfinity Series race, and the Cup Series race, as well as a little extra add-on from this weekend. We will be talking about the biggest takeaways both up and down and all around here on this episode of... The Fantasy Filler Podcast. Man, what a weekend it has been here for me going to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, As you guys are already well aware, I was able to go down there with Live Fast Motorsports and be on the deck lid of the car, which allowed me to be down on Pitt Road and be able to go into the garage area and see those cars. And all I can say is, Best weekend of my life. Best weekend of my life. If anyone from Live Fast Motorsports is listening, thank you guys so much for letting me come down there. I've been saying that on all my social medias. I really do mean it. What an amazing time it was down in Las Vegas. Even on the fan side when you can do the Neon Garage Pass. It's already a great experience for Las Vegas as it is because every time I have went down there, I've had an opportunity to meet at least one driver. One driver, whether it's in the fan zone where they do autographs and they have quite a few drivers who participate in that. But if you're able to get the Neon Garage Pass, which is kind of the first one to be able to do that, uh, that racetrack in particular, you're able to not only see the cars from very, very close, like you're, you're overlooking them, but at the same time, You can also stand right by the pit road entrance and meet quite a few drivers. Not many racetracks really do that, but Las Vegas does it and they do a really good job. So if you're on the West Coast, I highly suggest visiting Las Vegas Motor Speedway for a race eventually because you get so many opportunities to meet your favorite driver. You really do. Of course, you got to maybe purchase that extra add-on for the Neon Garage Pass, but it is worth every penny. Now, before we dive into the final results and the biggest takeaways, just want to share a little bit on what I was able to do here this weekend. So I was with uh, Live Fast Motorsports. I wasn't just designated to their specific hauler. I got to go check out the x D Series Garage and the Truck Series Garage. Got to see teams from all different uh, levels, you know, seeing the best of the best like Henrik Motorsports on how high tech and, you know, how many people they have uh, working in their organization to one of the smallest teams in the NASCAR garage, which is uh, CHK Racing with Ryan Vargas driving the number 74 car. They come in in a truck and trailer, uh, just a regular old pickup and a regular old trailer. That's how they operate. And just seeing that mix from top to bottom, it was very fascinating to see, seeing the type of employees – that everyone's working on the cars like i said with henrik motorsports you got almost one person uh, for every little thing and then for the small teams you got like four guys who are doing almost everything for that car and when they're finally stepping away from the car you they just sit around at a little table they they grill they cook and it's kind of cool cuz you never think about that when going to a race So seeing that from the pit crew side as well as the owners and uh, driver's side, that was pretty cool to see. Uh, Meeting drivers was absolutely great. I got to meet William Byron. Uh, Richard Petty. I got to see Richard Petty. I never thought in my life I would be able to do that because Richard Petty's been around for so long. And I figure at this point he would mostly just stay on the East Coast, but he was down there in Las Vegas and being able to take a picture with the king himself, that is a huge privilege. Um, Cody Ware, I got to meet him. Rick Rare, I got to meet him. Both very, very nice people. And uh, Cody Ware was probably the best conversation I had on Sunday with a driver. He actually... Um, talked to me on a personal level. You know, we talked about TikTok. It was a, it was pretty funny. I had to let him know. I'm like, hey, man, you're beating me in the followers. That means you are winning the game, uh, just jokingly. And then he was talking about it and why he doesn't post that much. And we talked a little bit about mental health. And it, it made me truly see... These drivers on a more personal level, because you just don't think about stuff like that. You think to themselves, "Wow, they get into this car, they race around, they're living the absolute dream." But it's, uh, being able to talk to them one on one. You're like, "Wow, these guys are just regular people. They're 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 humans. They they got emotions. Um, everything you do, even on a fan side, um, means a lot to them, both positive and negative. And just being able to talk to Cody Ware and just really see that side. It 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 was. Very, very fascinating to see what those drivers are thinking about, um, whether it's on a personal level or going into that race car. Myatt Snyder, I got I got to meet Myatt Snyder on Pit Road during the X-Fandy Series race. He, he wasn't dressed up in his fire suit or anything because uh, he didn't have a race here this weekend, didn't have a ride. And he was actually taking notes because he's going to be racing down in Las Vegas at the, uh, at the fall, just trying to see how he can get that edge. So just hearing from him from that and just hearing what he has to all do to get ready, it it is it was very, very interesting to say the least. So got to meet many drivers, got to sit on the pit box. I was with Anthony Alfredo's team in the number 78 for the Xfinity Series team. Uh, great, a lot of fun up there getting, getting to see Alfredo and um, just to see how that team operated. And then Live, uh, live Fast, I obviously was uh, there for the Cup Series race. And the pit box is very, very cool because you get to see a lot of the time loops and uh, special stuff that you would never see on TV. Like the, they have computers and they're showing like exactly where they're breaking, exactly what laps they're thinking about coming in. Everybody's lap time just popping up every single second where people are getting the advantage from. So I got to see that. Uh, I got to talk to Matt Tiff, who is um, a part owner of Live Fast, and he gave me a holler tour. And just to uh, nitpick his brain and see how what he sees for the future of this team um told me they're planning not right now to be successful. They are building their program so in five years from now, they can be way more competitive. He says, right now, a team like that, your goal is to finish in front of four other charters cars. If you're able to do that, not not just DNFs, but be able to beat, like, let's say, both the Rick Rare Racing cars, the Spyro Motorsports car, and let's say Front Row Motorsports. If they're able to beat four cars every single race, then they know they're making steps in the right direction. They're being stronger, and it makes a huge difference for the organization. So I could go on and on about that. I've went, uh, talked about that for the last few minutes, but uh, just, a, just a great experience, and who knows what it will lead to here in the future. Maybe, just maybe, we could have even interviews with drivers. There were some marketing people I was talking to, and they shared the idea that that could be something in the future, so hey. How how crazy would that be, especially for this uh, podcast? That would be so cool to d- talk uh, talk to one of these drivers here on an episode. But let's dive into the biggest takeaways here because there are definitely some huge takeaways. We'll talk about the Cup Series last. We, let's talk about the first race that happened here this weekend. First starting off with the Truck Series, they started at Daytona. They took Fontana off, but they came back here for their second race. And this was the final results for the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200. So for the second race of the Craftsman Truck Series season for 2023, we had 35 trucks on the entry list, meaning none of them had to miss the show. We had some notable drivers on the entry list; uh, those drivers being Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain, and John Hunter Nemechek. Everybody else is either running for the points here in the Truck Series or running a part-time schedule from the ARCA Series or below. In this race, there was one driver who dominated, and I don't think anyone was surprised on who was able to dominate this race. Uh, that was the number 51 of Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch has unretired from the Truck Series and Xfinity Series to run a few races this year, and he starts it off with a big victory here in the Las Vegas race, leading 84 out of the scheduled 134 laps. I don't think anyone's surprised by this at all. Kyle Busch has always been dominant down here in the lower series, and, def- and most of these drivers here are relatively new drivers, and they're going against the best of the best, <laughs> and he, he clearly showed that he was the best of the best. Uh, there were some notable drivers who did run up front that I was pretty impressed with. You had Carson Hosafar was able to win a stage and lead 19 laps. Zane Smith was trying his best to catch back up to Kyle Busch. He won the first stage. Uh, it was just did not work out for them and they were just not able to compete against Kyle Busch there near the end. He just has such a strong truck Then now the argument comes up of whether or not he should be coming down here to the truck series. We can talk about that day and night, but I think it's honestly good for where they have it now where you can only run five races in the season because let's be honest, people will come to the truck series race and the x Series race and consider going to those races if their favorite driver is on the entry list. If I knew that William Byron was going to be at that truck race and I was only going to go for the Sunday race, I would honestly reconsider my plans and try to go down for that truck race as well. It, 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 it's actually a beneficial thing from a fan's perspective. Now, for these small teams, on the other hand, there's definitely a disadvantage. At the same time, these trucks are not owned by NASCAR, they're owned by other team owners, so they're kind of independent contractors, so they can do what they want, and if they want a bigger driver to race in their trucks from a few races in the year, so be it, NASCAR holds the rule that there's five races that they can run, let some drivers do it, and Kyle Busch wanted to pick here Vegas, I don't know the other races he's going to be at, but this was the racetrack that he wanted, and he got the victory in it, this guy's got to step it up. And if they're able to step it up and beat Kyle Busch, that's an even bigger story for them. Not only did they get the victory, but they beat the best in the business. So there's a lot of ups from that. At the same time, there are some disadvantages. But for the most part, I think it's better for these smaller series uh, to have them at a few races. Not every race. I agree on that one. You don't want bushwhackers or truck whackers. <laughs> it's so hard to say that. Uh, down here in the series is winning every single race when they're not even running for the championship. That's not fair. But this, on the other hand, I- I'm okay with this. Uh, some drivers who struggled in this race. Let's talk about the other two drivers that moved down here. John Hunter and Jack got caught up in an incident where they were running four wide on the back straightaway, collect a few drivers, one including Haley Deegan, now, what a what a bummer for Haley Deegan. I thought she was doing really good in the race. I mean, she started in a good spot. She was running really consistently in the top 15. And then this four-wide incident, there's just not enough room at the racetrack, and it took out some good cars. Uh, Haley Deegan, what a bummer. It's been a rough, rough start for her for the 2023 season. A lot of pressure's on her right now. I can understand that, so... Hopefully, things can go in the right direction. She cannot have a season like last year, and right now, it's kind of looking like that. So, I hope she can pick it up, but John Hunter Nemechek, he he was in that same spot, just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and what a bummer for the 17 team. I know Tricon is trying to get some stuff going in the right direction, and having one of your trucks get taken out in the middle of the race is always going to be something that is going to end on a sour note. Their other drivers did pretty good. Corey Heim was able to finish in the fourth position. So that's definitely something to be positive about. And Tanner Gray was able to finish 13th. Dean Thompson, 16th. I think at one point he was running near the front. So... All these drivers at one point had um, some shiny moments. By the way, Kaz Grala was also in the event. I apologize for all the Kaz Grala fans. He was another noticeable driver who went down here to run this race, and he was able to lead five laps, so good job for those guys. But unfortunately, their top-performing truck got taken out early in the race, so a bit of a down for them. Going back to the more positive side, let's talk about McNally Racing more specifically. Let's talk about... The 35 of Jake Garcia, the best performing rookie here in this race, he was able to close out the race with a top 10 finish. Great job for that organization. I mean, Christian Eckes, I think, was a great pickup for the team. I will be shocked if he's not able to score a victory in the first 10 races of the truck series season because he has looked really, really good so far. And a sixth place finish, it does not justify his performance. He 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 was definitely a top three truck in this entire race. So definitely some good things coming out of that organization. But when your first truck is doing good, yeah, that's, that's great and all. But when both your trucks are able to finish in the top 10, that's just an all around good day for the organization. The other rookies, on the other hand, struggled tremendously in this race. Let's first talk about Daniel Dye. Now, Daniel Dye... Uh, it was very unfortunate because I don't think, uh, Fox caught this. Uh, if you were at the racetrack, you noticed this, but I don't think they talked about it at all on <laughs> the broadcast, but Daniel Dye spun out really early in the race and went down pit road to get his tires changed. And that's why he went a couple laps down and was never truly able to recover. I mean, for what he got a top 20 finish, I guess that's okay with the amount of bad luck, but I know he wants something right really better than that. Raja Karuth unfortunately, gets caught up in an incident in a race that he was running really good at. He was able to finish 5th in the first stage and 7th in the second stage. Just not able to finish it off, but Raja Karuth showing some good signs as a rookie in that 24 truck. Nick Sanchez in the number 2. Now, that driver really surprised me early in the race. Just passing Kyle Busch on lap number 8, Kyle Busch passes him back, then he's able to get him back once again, and then Zane Smith passed him, and then it all went downhill from there. And I don't know what happened to that team, but I know at one point early in the race, right after he got passed, he went back to like 4th, and then he smacked the wall, and from then on, that truck was never the same again. So the The rookies do show signs of life that they are actually really really strong competitors this year, but the these they weren't able to execute the race they were not able to close it out and what a damn shame you you we should have saw two or three rookies in the top ten but instead we only got one and that was Jake Garcia uh last rookie was Brett Holmes he got caught up in an accident on lap number sixteen uh there's just not much you can do in that situation uh. Gosh, he had a good starting position too. He was started six. So it looked like things were going to be really, really good. And then an incident in turn one takes him out and... What an absolute bummer. Let's look at the top 15 and then we'll cover the last big story of this truck series race. You had Zane Smith in second. Good start for him. Ben Rhodes is in the third position. Corey Heim was able to finish fourth. Ty Majeski in the 98 was able to finish fifth. Then the sixth spot was Christian Ecke. Seventh spot was the number 42 of Carson Hosevar. Chase Purdy in the four was able to finish eighth. Grant Infinger in 9th, Jake Garcia in 10th, the number 88 of Matt Crafton in 11th, Matt Benedetto finishing 12th, he had a really good run, it's actually a shame he was not able to get a top 10, he finished 3rd in both the stages, so great run for him, Tanner Gray in 13th, Stuart Friesen in 14th, and Tyler Ankrum in 15th, and the biggest story, the biggest takeaway out of all this is, you never know what's going to happen when you're going out to the West Coast. Because the biggest story that was talked about in this race was the pit crew members arriving late due to multiple delays in their planes. And when they finally would get on a plane, it would have mechanical problems, so they had to go to another plane. And a lot of teams were left out without a pit crew. They had to put on a, together just a random uh, group of members to be able to work on the cars on the first pit stops. And it makes you appreciate how fast those... Uh, pit crew members are the top dogs because my goodness watching those other people do it it was like ooh, ooh, those are that's a ooh man that's a not a good one that's not a good pit stop at all and then seeing them just run in from the garage area down to the racetrack i i saw the whole thing it was very interesting to see if you were just a random fan at the race you had no idea what was going on you you just see on the tv and also in the garage area a bunch of people running around you're like what the hell and <laughs> then finally, I put my radio on, and then I realized what was actually going on. Pit crew members were just not arriving to the scene yet. Uh, Yeah, that definitely makes us appreciate who's actually doing those pit stops, even for the third division of NASCAR, which is the truck series, because seeing the replacement pit crew members compared to the actual pit crew members is just unbelievable. I think even on Kyle Busch's pit stop with the 51 team, uh, with that um, just run together crew uh, they missed a lug nut and he had a loose wheel so he had to go back down and get that adjusted oh uh, could have affected him in the race near the end but uh, luckily for him it didn't he was able to get back up front no problem but uh, if we have to give it down to anybody uh, the biggest down in this race it would have to be the airlines for costing us potentially a lot of drivers who could have ran for this race because they didn't have a pick crew for the truck series event. Very interesting stuff there and only in the truck series could something like that happen. Now let's move on into the Xfinity series and talk about the third race for them. It's the Osco Uniforms 300 final results. So for the third race in the season for the x Xfinity series, we had a total of forty cars on the entry list, meaning two were going to miss out on the main show. Those two being the number sixty-six of uh, Mason Maggio and the number seventy-four of Ryan Vargas. Both those teams, I'm very disappointed that they missed out on it. Uh, MBM Motorsports really struggling right now, and now that they're not able to qualify for races, it's it's just brutal for that team. And the seventy-four team, man, they they've been down on their luck for 18 months at this point. It has just been brutal. So I'm really hoping that something goes in the right direction for that team. In the end, the winner of the race has been the driver who's been the most dominant here starting off the 2023 season. Austin Hill in the 21, his second win already out of three races. And he led 19 laps. He won stage two and just carrying all the momentum here in the XFINITY series. Austin Hill what what an incredible jump from the Truck Series to the X-Fanity Series he had. Rookie Season wins two races for the X-Fanity Series with RCR. Then he stays for another year, and now he's won two out of the three events. I would not be surprised if you see him almost at the same level as um, Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs from last year, getting that many wins. I really see that happening, just Really, really strong start. You know he's going to do good at the Super Speedways. He clearly shows he has a strong car here at the Intermediate Tracks. Just, man, oh man, great performance by him. But I don't think he was the strongest car in this race overall as a whole. I think you got to give that to Chandler Smith, who, big up for him this weekend. The, the rookie has been kind of bid on some bad luck here early in the season. I mean, he missed the Great American Race. You know, there's a lot of pressure on him. He's jumping into AJ um car, the car that was able to run the championship for for a couple years. So definitely a lot of pressure on him. But we knew how good he could be here at this racetrack if you watched him down in the truck series. And 118 laps led out of 200, more than 50% of the race. That's a really, really good job and shows that this 16 car may not be the strongest at the road courses like it used to be but it's they have a whole new driver for the intermediate tracks, and Chandler Smith could bring them some victories in that number 16 car, so great performance by him. It was just a shame that his car kind of fell apart there near the end. I think he used up his stuff, and it was able to get people like Austin Hill and Justin Allgaier to get around him. Uh, Justin Allgaier, what a crazy, crazy bounce back he was able to get there near the end. Uh, he, unfortunately, Got a restart violation, and we we don't really hear about that that much, and that also happened in the truck series. I think it was Stuart Friesen who got a restart violation as well, and Justin Allgaier finally gets the lead in the race and and gets this uh, restart violation for going underneath the line before the start of the green flag. Now... I don't know how this is an advantage. maybe because they're just cutting the track short and maybe when it when they're going that slow, it is actually a huge advantage. I'm not sure or you have to stay in your line. that would that would make the most sense in my mind. but that is that was a very controversial call, but it is technically the right call, so I really can't complain too much about it. But Justin Algar, just something happens to him that takes his opportunity away from winning these races. I bet you if that doesn't happen, he is able to win this race no problem. Because he had to fight his way through that entire time to get back up front almost won it if he had probably a couple more laps maybe even just one more lap he would have been able to succeed and getting that victory but it just wasn't meant to be uh Austin Hill just did himself a really good jo- job uh, some drivers who struggled here in this race uh Parker Retzloff was a big driver that I noticed that really struggled and He he was just running into problems after problems after problems. I saw him go down pit road more times than I could count. And finishing 37th, that is definitely going to kill the momentum of any driver uh, who's starting off their rookie season. And I think the 31 team of Jordan Anderson Racing – uh, needed a better finish with him, and it just didn't really pan out that well. So kind of unfortunate on that. Another driver who struggled that I was really surprised, actually, let's throw a whole team here, and that was Alpha Prime Racing. All their drivers finished three laps down in the race. Uh, Rasha Carruth was, did the best out of them, which was a 26th place finish, and he spun out at the end of stage two. That that team uh, expanding out, my fear is them expanding out a little too far and now they're gonna their performance is gonna drop down you've seen it from multiple teams the one that re, that reminds me the most is rick rare racing i know people will probably say well they were already in the back but yeah when they were four cars they really struggled so a uh, big bummer for these guys hopefully they can rebound in their next race uh, next weekend at phoenix but uh, not one of them able to score a top five in this race uh, another up, you got to give it to Parker Kligerman in that 48 team. Parker Kligerman, what a great add-on for this team of jade before i think it's before racing uh i know jade before used to drive this car but then he stepped out to have a different driver take on over so they can get better performances and having a driver like parker Kligerman, who's always done good in the truck series and this race it seemed like everything happened to him he was just having a bunch of bad luck i think he got caught up in an early incident in the race actually the first car to spin out on like lap number four and he was still able to come back and finish 11th in this race they are definitely going to be the team that's going to be able to sneak in by points if we do not have a full 12 drivers get the victory. I really do believe that. So great job by them to be able to bounce back, and they are very impressive in my personal opinion. Uh, some notable drivers who competed in this race from the Cup Series were Kyle Busch and Tyler Reddick. Kyle Bush was doing three races, and definitely not stronger in this race compared to the truck series, but we kind of figured that. Uh, Colic Racing's number 10 car is not the strongest car in the world, so we knew it was going to be really tough for him. And secondly, this field of Xfinity Series drivers is probably the most stacked we've ever seen it. Uh, just great drivers here in this division, and they they showed clearly that, yeah, if these Cup Series drivers are going to move down here and think that they're going to snag wins, yeah, think again because we are some top performers, and Kyle Busch was able to finish fourth. Great job for Colic Racing there, but... he was never really a factor to win the race. He was always just a top three car at best. And Tyler Reddick with Sam Hunt Racing just did not have the same power as these other drivers. And he finished 13th. He was the first car one lap down. And overall, this was a really fun race. Yeah, 14 lead chains amongst eight different drivers. You really did not know who was going to get the victory there near the end. Uh, Chandler Smith was the most dominant one, but you also had people like John Hunter Niemacek, Josh Berry at one point. Justin Allgaier, like we talked about, all these drivers had an opportunity to win this race at one point in time, and I love races like that where the unpredictability is like no other. So let's run through the top 15 here real quickly. Austin Hill was the winner of the race. Justin Allgaier was able to finish second. Chandler Smith was able to finish third. Kyle Busch fourth. Josh Berry fifth. John Henry Niemicek in the 26th. Sam Mayer in the number one seventh. Riley Herbst in the 98 eighth. Sheldon Creed in the two ninth. And rounding out the top 10 was the number 11 of Daniel Hemrick. Parker Kligerman was in 11th. Colt Custer finishes 12th. Tyler Reddick in 13th. Jeb Burton in 14th. And rounding out the top 15 was the number 19 of Joe Graff Jr. Now it is time to talk about the biggest race of the weekend, the third race in the NASCAR Cup Series season for 2023. Let's talk about the final results for the Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube. In the third race here of the 2023 season, we only have the charter cars enter into the race. Four cautions for 26 laps, 13 lead changes a month, eight different drivers, and And that was not the biggest story out of this weekend here for the Cup Series. The biggest story was what happened off the racetrack. We will talk about that in just a second, but let's talk about the winner of this race. He won both stage one, stage two, led 176 laps. Definitely the most dominant driver of the weekend. And that is my boy, driver of the number 24 of William Byron. He was able to get the victory and I know there's a video out there because I knew somebody was recording me from the from one of the media standpoints of me bouncing up and down in pure excitement. So that video is out there for everyone to watch eventually. We'll have to find it. But he was clearly a dominant performer here in this race. When it comes to the early part of the race season, William Byron and Rudy Fogle just know how to run well. And this is another example. Uh, hopefully, you can go through the entire season. But they're starting off the season strong. And they are locked into the playoffs if we are under 16 winners. Now, His teammates were able to finish second and third, Kyle Larson and Alex Bowman. And Kyle Larson was going to win the race if that caution did not come out with four laps to go. So he had himself a really good car. And Alex Bowman, he was definitely the third best out of that team. I'd say it was a great run for him, but he was nowhere comparable to his two teammates. And there is one name missing out of this Henrik Motorsports bunch that everyone knows. The number nine of Chase Elliott was not the driver this weekend in that number nine machine. It was Josh Berry as a substitute driver as Chase Elliott suffered an injury while skiing. It sounds like he may have broke his tibula. It is not confirmed for sure. We do not know how many weeks he's going to miss, but either way, a big shocker here. He was not able to race here in the Las Vegas weekend. Now, I've been hearing a lot of people talk about this. I I would listen to the NASCAR radio all the way from Las Vegas up to Reno. So I had a good four hours of listening to it. Everybody was talking about, should NASCAR give him a waiver for this incident? And I agree with Dave Moody. Out of everyone I heard, I think Dave Moody said it the best. We have never really followed this waiver thing We give a waiver to almost every incident that has ever happened, both inside um, the race cars, whether it was um, Kyle Busch breaking his leg in the Daytona race back in 2015, and um, he was able to come back and get into the top 30 in points, get a few victories, and he was able to race for a championship and won a championship. That was a crazy story. And for the diehard fans who like the Winston style, it's something that drove them nuts. But from a story perspective, from the playoff side, it was an incredible story. You've also had people like uh, Tony Stewart, who got into a dune buggy accident in the 2016 season, right before the 2016 season, missed like eight races. They gave him a waiver. He was able to get a victory at Sonoma, and he was able to get into the top 30, and he was able to run for a championship. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, he got his wife got COVID. He didn't even get COVID, so he had to sit out, but NASCAR gave him a waiver for that. I can't think of a time where NASCAR has not given out a waiver, and I think they got to give a waiver for this incident because, look, I know people are upset that he was skiing. Skiing is definitely one of those things where, in my personal opinion, you're paying money to go get your ass kicked by a mountain. I've always thought of it that way, <laughs> but the the thing is, these guys have a life outside the sport. This is a 36-race schedule. This goes from mid-February to mid-November. Longest season out of any national sports uh, association in the entire world. I I don't think anyone comes even close to what NASCAR is able to do. So these guys need to find a way to do have some free time. They can't just work, travel, work, travel, work, travel. They'll go insane. They They need to have free time. And you can say skiing is very dangerous, but you can also say going bicycle riding dangerous. Riding a dune buggys uh, dangerous, according to Tony Stewart. Driving in sprint cars is definitely dangerous. Uh, you can even be walking down the street and someone could hit you. Riding a motorcycle. Uh, there's so many things you can talk about there. So banning drivers from doing stuff outside of the sport, I don't think is the right way to go. Whatever deal they have with their owner, they should obviously follow that. If they agree to not do extreme stuff like that, then that's on them. But I don't think NASCAR needs to step in and make a rule on this point like, okay, drivers, you need to make sure you don't do anything dangerous outside the sport. Like, it's it's already a dangerous sport. What do you mean? Like, I'd say driving a NASCAR is the most dangerous thing they're doing on a week-by-week basis. Not going skiing. Um, if you wanted to fix this situation, this is my personal opinion. Get rid of the waiver. Get rid of drivers have to attempt to qualify for every single race. And if a driver misses a race for any reason at all, any reason, they can still run for a championship as long as they got the victory and they're in the top 25 in points. I don't even care if it's a part-time driver. If he only runs 20 races in the regular season rather than 26 and he's able to beat uh, 10 full-time drivers and get a couple victories... I think he should run for a championship. He clearly shows that he's one of the strongest drivers in the group. And if that team is willing to run those final 10 races, so be it. Have him in the car. I think that would, I think that would solve our situation so very well because I think of the truck series a few years back when Grant Infinger did not have a full time ride and he unfortunately missed one race, one race the entire season. It was the Daytona Infield race. And he was able to finish, I do believe, seventh in point. But he could not run for the championship because he missed that one race. And it drives me absolutely crazy that he was not eligible because he missed that one race. I don't think that is fair at all. If he was there by point, he clearly showed he was a great driver. He just did not have an opportunity ride. So get rid of the waiver. Uh, if you want, if someone misses a race... Have them make it into the top 25. Now, I could hear people say, oh, then everyone's going to sit out of Daytona. Well, not necessarily. Actually, I think the exact opposite happens. Do we really think drivers are going to sit out multiple races during the summer stretch when they have contract deals with sponsors that they're going to say, you know what? I already won my race. I can miss the next two races, still be in the top 25. I'm sitting out. I'm taking a break. Maybe someone's going to do that. But I'll tell you what, if I'm on the business side and I'm looking at my sponsorship, if I can only sponsor six races, I'm not going to take a gamble on those teams because I know there's a chance it's going to be some other driver running. It could be like I'm an Xfinity Series driver. I don't want the Xfinity driver to be running it. I want the top dog. If I'm paying that money, I want the best of the best in that car. So – you're not going to see drivers sit out of races because they got their victory and they're thinking, oh, I'm playoff eligible because we got rid of that waiver thing. You don't have to attempt every single race. I don't see that happening. I think if you make the minimum requirement, top 25, maybe top 20 for the x series and the truck series, or even top 15, I, I don't care what you do. If you think that's the best spot, then so be it. If they can hit that level and miss races – That just shows how good they are compared to those other drivers. I seriously believe that. Whether or not NASCAR does that is beyond me. Who knows how they're going to handle this. Uh, I I clearly see them giving a waiver to Chase Elliott. There's there's nothing pointing in the direction that they would not give it to him. Maybe if he was part of an illegal activity and he got in trouble with law enforcement. That's a different story. That's not the case here. It's a ski accident. So my biggest takeaway from all this is... Don't punish the drivers for having a life outside of motorsports. And at the same time, if you're worried about drivers missing out or if you're worried about drivers sitting out or anything like that, then get rid of the waivers and make it a requirement if they do miss a race to finish in the top 25 and then they're eligible if they have a victory. That's that. I think that would solve that situation extremely well here in this situation uh, overall. So Chase Elliott, I don't know how long he's going to be gone for. It sounds like it could be a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. We don't we don't know yet. We do not know and we may not know until the end of this week. But definitely the biggest story there. Some drivers that really did impress me here in this race that we should give shout-outs to. Uh, Bubba Wallace and Christopher Bell and Austin Sidrick. Fourth, fifth, and sixth right there. So Bubba Wallace was definitely looking for a redemption from the last race we had here at Vegas. And he clearly did it. He, The team got better and better as the race went on. They couldn't compete against Henrik Motorsports. But to be able to finish fourth, hey, great job for them. It was a, just a great performance for them. That Definitely a step in the right direction. As 2311 is showing, hey, their intermediate package is still doing really well. Christopher Bell, I did not want to trust him this weekend. I told people to stay away from him. And he gets a top five finish, so of course he does. But hey, it's been a rough few races here for that number 20 team. So for them to finally actually get a good finish, good for them. They're starting to get steps in the right direction. They they got to get out of that slump. And I think a top five finish is going to help them out with that. Austin Cindric, hey, awesome job for Austin Cindric. Uh, d- he's still a very young driver. He's just starting out his second full-time season. And for him to finish sixth at an intermediate track that usually only the top teams dominate at, hey, good showing for him. That is for sure. Who didn't have a good showing that truly shocked me was the his teammates. More specifically, Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney. Now, Joey Logano gets smacked into the wall. In, in one incident. And then there's another incident. He runs out of room. And I think someone else hit him again. And he goes down the infield. Has some bad right damage. And he's not able to continue on. Had the pole. Led nine laps. But he was running around the 16th position when this happened. He did. that Somehow, someway, this team struggled. And nobody. I mean, nobody thought that Joey Logano was going to struggle in this race like he did. But no stage points. He he got, he got was out on lap number 183. But. Uh, The stages ended before that, so that just shows you how bad they were struggling as a whole. So, bummer for them. I don't know what happened there. I I think they just missed the mark overall. We'll see how they do at Phoenix because Joey Logano just came off of winning a race at Phoenix, so maybe they were able to get their steps in the right direction, but man, that one was just a shocker to me. And Ryan Blaney, I don't know what's going on with Ryan Blaney, but I don't think he's a top-running driver like we thought he was anymore. And that's crazy to think. That's a that's a big statement right there. But Ryan Blaney, what's he doing lately? What what has he been doing? Has he been running up front? Maybe the super speedways. Other than that, he's at best a top ten car. I I don't see steps in the right direction for that number twelve team and a driver that we used to think was always a good number one, number two pick for ten races. Maybe that's not the case anymore. I don't know, but this could be really, really early um, throwing Ryan Blaney away. But right now, he's not showing me anything that really impresses me. If he goes into Phoenix and he's running around the 15th position, I am not looking forward to Ryan Blaney in 2023. I I am not feeling confident with him at all. Uh, A team that's still looking really good, and they showed it here in this race, was Trackhouse Racing. Not as good as I hoped they would be. Uh, I thought Ross Chastain was going to be a winner here in this race. I, I I bet the farm on him. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, he's going to be the top performer for sure. A third-place finish in Stage 1, a seventh-place finish in Stage 2, and a 12th-place finish overall in the race. Um, I mean, there's, they're still running good, but definitely not the same performance of last year. And Daniel Suarez getting the top 10. I, I expect that out of Suarez. I, I thought he could get a top 10, but... I thought he would also get stage points as well. So still, track house racing is doing good, just maybe not as good as a run that they were hoping. They were hoping for like a 1st and 5th, not a 10th and 12th. Another down in this race, and it's something that is concerning for sure, is the overall run of the race. There was one driver who dominated, and everyone else, except for maybe Kyle Larson, could not keep up with him. Now, here's the reason why this is a problem. That could be a big down is this is the third intermediate track in a row where we haven't really had a super exciting race. Last year, they were the best races by far. Coca-Cola 600, that is probably going to go down as the best Coca-Cola 600 um, ever. As of right now, I think that's the best one. It was so damn entertaining. With that being said, Homestead and Phoenix were not that great of races, if you remember them. Kyle Larson absolutely dominated um, Homestead. Joey Logano absolutely dominated Phoenix. And now we get the 24 car dominating here at Las Vegas. And, and my fear is, are teams starting to figure out these racetracks or these cars that they've done a few adjustments to now they're to the point that maybe it's not as easy as it was to have that many passes for the lead. Maybe cars are not... Uh, falling off nearly as much as they thought they were when they would be pushed to the limit. I don't know, but it is very concerning to see that this has happened multiple races in a row. Maybe we've just been unlucky. Maybe we've just been super unlucky and there's just been one team that has absolutely just hit cloud nine in these races and then absolutely just dominated. But at the same time, that fear does lure over you and and NASCAR as a whole – that, oh no, we're about to get Gen 6 intermediate races once again. I hope that's not the case, uh, but that is a concern after having another one car dominate the entire race type show. Still, fans really liked it according to the votes. Um, not nearly at the same level as Fontana or did the Daytona 500, but overall it was mostly liked, so that's still in the right direction. That, that is definitely good. I can't really rate this race, guys. I I really can't. I had a completely different experience from everyone else. I'm going to say it's a 20 out of 10, no questions asked. But (laughs) uh, I can't honestly give a good rating. I I definitely think it was the third best race out of the season when you look at it as an overall race. Uh, I mean, Fontana was great. Daytona was great. Las Vegas eh, it was all right. So let's close it out with the top 15 and also give some recognition to some other drivers who did not finish in the top 15 but still deserve a shout-out. Byron first, Kyle Larson second, Alex Bowman third, Henrik one, two, three. Bubba Wallace finishes fourth, Christopher Bell fifth, Austin Cedric sixth, Martin Trex Jr. stayed out on the racetrack on the final pit stop. He is credited with the seventh position, was not able to stay up front. Justin Haley, another good run at Phoenix. Or Phoenix I'm one week ahead. Las Vegas, he might start turning into a fantasy prospect. Here at these mile-and-a-half tracks, if not the high mile-and-a-half tracks, then maybe here in Las Vegas could be a good sleeper pick here moving forward. Harvick was able to finish ninth. Daniel Suarez rounds out the top 10. Denny Hamlin finishes 11th. Not a good finish for him, especially with a good car that he had. Same thing with Ross Chastain right behind him in 12th. Ryan Blaney, 13th. Kyle Busch finishing 14th. A lot of people expected way more out of that number 8 car. It just wasn't the case. And rounding up the top 15, you have the number 45 of Tyler Reddick. Noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 15 that we should mention. Eric Comerola just for causing the caution with four to go. Uh, NASCAR was so fast on that caution. Once they saw a car go slightly sideways, they were like, that's it, throw the yellow, throw the yellow. We need some excitement here near the end, it felt like. (laughs) But uh, very unfortunate for (laughs) Eric Comerola and the Kyle Larson and that team to be affected that bad from that finish. Uh, the number six of Brad Keselowski, he definitely was a top 10 car the entire race. Fortunately, he got caught up in the last lap incident, and he was credited with the 17th position. And then moving down, uh, BJ McLeod the 78. I'm, of course, I'm going to mention him. He finished 32nd, was able to beat JJ Yaley, Ty Dillon, Cody Ware, and Joey Logano, who was the only driver who was not able to finish this race. <laughs> That will conclude the final results for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. So I thought in fantasy I was doing pretty good. I was like, oh, yeah, 208 points. Yeah, I'm going to be near the top. I finished 11th in our league. 11th. There was two people who tied for first at 261 points. Hell of a good job to Big Rob 1994 and Mr. Vault Guy 111. You guys were the top performers here this weekend in NASCAR Fantasy. If I had to make a guess, you guys had William Byron, Kyle Larson, maybe even Alex Bowman, uh we'll throw in Christopher Bell, Martin Trex Jr., and Bubba Wallace. That was your that was your six drivers that you had on your list. If that's the case, incredible job to you guys. And you guys did the uh, matchups really, really good. So just an incredible job. I think that's a perfect score. I really think that's a perfect score. Finishing third at 238 points was Hebrew Hammer. And there was a total of 15 of us that scored, or excuse me, 16 of us that scored 200 plus points. You guys did an incredible job here this weekend. And if you still want to join that league, you can do so at fantasygames.nascar.com. We will make sure to give you a recognition If you finish in the top three, I might have to start doing that for uh, the TikTok videos because I know a lot of you come from there and I haven't been doing that this year, but I will make some videos where you get a shout out. Maybe we'll talk about some fantasy picks there, but again, fantasygames.nascar.com. The league is called NASCAR Fantasy Fillers. If you want to follow me on social media or you want to see extra content that I make, check me out at TikTok, YouTube, or Twitter. Just look up Vanilla Wafers. I will always pop up. There's not many people called that. Maybe you'll get the Vanilla Wafer Cookie pop up here and there, but I'll be like at least... In the third spot. So it's all NASCAR related. YouTube, I just released a video about the biggest renovations that we have seen at Tracks in recent memory. Uh, TikTok, I'm going to be posting more uh, guests of NASCAR drivers. NASCAR therapy should be coming out on Tuesday. And also some card openings to see if we can find Mario Andretti. Uh, Spoilers, uh, no luck so far in the first 46 episodes. So we'll see if I ever am able to find that card. And uh, final shout out once again, Circle B Diecast and Live Fast Motorsports for letting me come down to Vegas. I hope to do the same thing at Sonoma, maybe even the fall Vegas race again. It's just incredible experience. So we will see what will happen there. And thank you to all the fans that I saw down there. I saw quite a few of you guys. So greatly appreciate that. And it's always great to be able to meet fans and be able to spend that time with them and actually hear from you guys. So uh, again, if you were one of the people that saw me at the racetrack, and got to talk to me, I greatly appreciate you, and thank you guys so much for listening, so let's wrap up today's episode of the Fantasy Filler Podcast, I have been your host, Vanilla Wafers, I have been able to lead you to the front of the field, so why don't we grab that checkered flag, do some burnouts, and head on out, so you all take care, this has been the Fantasy Filler Podcast.